So, um, I wonder if any of you here this morning have heard of the, um, the legend of um, an African-American by the name of John Henry. The, the story goes that this guy was around when railroads were being built across America. And uh, John Henry was famous at being one of the greatest steel drivers that there were. A steel driver was the man who would take a, a huge steel drill and uh, would hammer it into a rock and create a big enough hole and a deep enough hole to where they could put explosives into the rock and then blow away large portions of rock so that the railroad could keep on making its way across uh, this, this great country. Well, the story goes that there came a time where as machinery was growing and being established and developed and invented, that they came up with a steam drill. And this drill did the work of um, what guys like John Henry used to do. And John Henry wasn't happy about this. He was actually enraged at the idea that there would be a machine that could do the job better than he could. So he arranged for there to be a contest. He arranged there for, to be a contest between him and this machine to see who truly was the greatest steel driver. Was it him or was it the machine? So many people showed up to see and they watched the two of them go together at the same time. And the steel driver got three meters deep into the rock before it just finally gave out and the machine broke. At the same time, John Henry, he actually managed to get four meters deep in the same amount of time. He beat the machine. But as his fellow workers gathered around to celebrate and congratulate him, it said that he collapsed out of exhaustion and died. Died right there on the spot. It's a sad story of a man who, who won, who, who won a victory, who proved that he was better than the machine. But at a great cost, it cost him his life. His, he lost a war. He won a battle, but in winning the battle, he lost the war. So over the next four weeks at Connect, as we think about the idea of love, we're going we're gonna to address the whole topic under this umbrella of this title, Love is for Losers. Now, I know that can kind of sound a little bit negative this morning, but, but if you think about it, there's actually some great power in losing. We just took communion, didn't we? And the, the reason we took communion was to celebrate the greatest act of love imaginable. And that was Jesus choosing to lose his life for us. Jesus, he, he, he was so known for his love. He taught great lessons, countercultural teaching for his day about love. He talked about loving your neighbors. He talked about forgiving. He talked about loving enemies. This was all a foreign concept in that day and age. He was so committed to the idea of love. He showed it. It wasn't just words. He showed it. He, he loved people in his society that others would turn their back on. He was famous. It actually upset the religious leaders of the day um, because of the way he demonstrated love for people in that society that others looked down their noses upon. And then finally, he didn't just teach it. He didn't just live it. He proved it, he demonstrated it by losing his life. He lost his life 
so that we won't lose ours. Unlike John Henry, he lost a battle. Jesus lost a battle, but in losing the battle, he won the war. He won a victory for you and for me this morning. And before he lost his life, he was already setting things up for the future. One of the most famous things he ever said is a challenge that we still talk about today. In one of his teachings in Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, he says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life, for me, will find it. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life, for me, will find it. That just sounds backwards, doesn't it? But Jesus is saying, hey, the key to winning is losing. That's the key to success. And I actually think when it comes to relationships, we're going to look at this over the coming weeks, that that there are some things we can learn about what it looks like to be willing to lose a battle but win the war as a result. I learned this week that a divorce takes place on average every 36 seconds across America. That means in the time it takes you to watch one Nicholas Sparks movie, 82 couples got divorced. That's that's sad. That's not a good thing. I want to see that change. And before I talk about how I think that could change, please let me just say one thing here this morning. Because this is really important that you understand this. This is what we believe at Connects. This is what I believe with all of my heart. That that is, I know that there are so many of you here this morning from so many different backgrounds, so many different walks of life, and so many different stories. I know there are some of you here this morning that have yet to be married. You've not yet found someone, you're you're still single. I know there are some of you here this morning that are very um, happily married, you've been married for a while. I know there are some of you here this morning that are divorced, that were once married, and, and you had great plans, but, but things changed. And now you find yourself sitting here this morning, divorced. I know there are some of you here this morning that have been married and have been divorced, and now you're, you're remarried. So I know that every one of us comes from so many different directions, but here's what I believe. We can't change the past, but we serve a God who meets us where we are, sees us for who we are, who has this incredibly deep ocean of grace that forgives us for everything that we've done. If we'll come to him, not only does he forgive us for everything we've done, he wants to equip us moving forward into the future. So when I talk about relationships, when I talk about subjects like divorce, I don't want to look back with regrets, I want to look forward and say, okay, so, so from this point on, I think every one of us could agree here today, single, married, remarried, wherever we find ourselves, I would like to know the key here to having some successful relationships in the future. Relationships with family members, relationships with people I work with, relationships with people in my community, relationships with my kids, relationships with my parents, Relationship with my spouse. I would like that to be the best relationship possible. So as culture this month bombards us with the idea of love everywhere we go, why don't we spend some time as well talking about love as well, but look at it through the lens of Jesus and say, so how can I have the best relationship possible? 
So unfortunately this morning, I can't tell you that there's simply a magic wand that you can wave and there's a simple um, two-step process and everything will be fine in the future. All relationships will be great. It's just not that easy, is it? But I can share with you some principles today and next week and the week after and the week after that, some principles that we can learn from Jesus himself that will really help your relationship go the distance. And some of these principles, on the surface, it's going to sound like you're losing, but actually it's the key to winning. Because you're going to find out that that in many ways, love is for losers. So this morning we're going to start, we're going to go back and we're going to listen to a, a guy by the name of Paul, who wrote a big part of the New Testament. He really understood the love of Jesus himself because he used to be a complete enemy of Jesus and Christians. His his goal in life was to arrest and kill Christians. Then he had this encounter with Jesus and it changed his life completely. If there's anyone who understands love, it's a guy who knows that he was a terrible man and yet God still forgave him because he experienced the love of Jesus. So as we read these letters that he wrote throughout the New Testament, we just see the love of Jesus pouring out through his teachings. So we're going to look back this morning and we're going to look at something that Paul taught on about what love looks like in the context of relationships, but especially this morning in the context of of, um, marriage, of romantic relationships. So Paul talked in um, a letter that he wrote to a church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. And this is what Paul said. Verse 22. Wives, submit, to your, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. There we have it. Can't be any clearer than that. So let's pray. <laughs> Somebody said amen there. And they're in trouble. So. <laughs> I'm kidding. We are obviously not going to end there this morning. In fact, we're going to begin there. And we're going to find out that Paul had something pretty incredible to teach on this particular subject. And I think I want to start there. I want to throw that verse up there because, because some of you, when you saw that verse, you cringed just a little bit, didn't you? Maybe the, the women in the room, they read that and they were like, ah, oh, that's... That reminds me of a situation where I felt belittled or I felt looked down upon. And maybe the guys, they're like, no, I love that. I've printed it off. I've laminated it. It's on the fridge. I think it's important that my uh, wife memorizes that scripture. (laughs) But we're going to discover this morning that if you read that verse alone, then you are missing completely the whole point of what Paul was talking about. So rather than just focus on that one verse, we're going to step back a little. We're going to look at the verses before it. We're going to look at the verses after it. And we're going to discover that Paul was talking about something completely countercultural to his day, completely revolutionary to us. And we're going to learn that there's far more to what Paul is saying. And I think as we discover and unpack the truth of what Paul is saying, I think it's going to help all of us. It's especially going to help the wives this morning to avoid situations like this. Babe, did you say you were going to make dinner? I couldn't remember. <laughs> what? I just wish you'd take some initiative and cook your own dinner for once. I've been at work too, you know. And what now I get to come home and pack the dishwasher and then unpack the dishwasher and cook dinner and put the washing on. And you know what? I can't continue to live like this because hey, it's hey, not hey, me. Hey, hey, relax. It's going to be all right. How? 
Here, I'll just show you. Okay, I've been doing this since we moved in. See this basket thing? I don't know how it happens, if it's the house or what, but any dirty clothes you put in this basket, somehow the next day they're just clean, folded, and in a perfect pile on your bed. You're not serious. I couldn't believe it at first either, but it just keeps happening. That's why I didn't tell you, I didn't want to jinx it. You are insane. Try it, you'll see. Unless it's only chosen me. See, I don't know. I can't do this. No, wait. There's other things too. Plates, cutlery, pizza boxes, dirty tissues, anything you leave on this coffee table just vanishes overnight. I mean, sometimes I'll see how far I can push this thing. And then sure enough, the next day, it's all gone. It's just vanished. It's magic. No, she wouldn't have left me. This is what I think happened. I heard her get up in the middle of the night to get a drink or something. She must have fallen onto the magic coffee table and just vanished. Are you insane? No, he's not insane. I've got the same coffee table at home. <laughs> so any of you guys got that magic, magic coffee table at your house? Don't raise your hands. I don't want you to jinx it. Um, You know, we chuckle, but the truth is, I think the reason some of us, when we see that verse, wives, submit to your husbands, it, it kind of causes us to cringe a little bit because of the culture we live in. We live in this awesome country, don't we? This amazing country where women have incredible opportunities and rights. Women can vote. Women can be leaders in business and politics and even in the church. It's a great place to live. And of course, all of this is made possible thanks to the Spice Girls. Girl power. So uh, actually, it's a little bit before the 90s and the Spice Girls. But the reality is, life looks a lot different today than it did just 100 years ago. Because of women's rights movements and things that have changed. So when we read that verse, it kind of takes us back to a place that, that we once were, but we're not anymore. And here's the crazy thing. We as a culture are blessed because we know there are other countries in the world where that isn't the case. You can go to some Middle Eastern countries, Africa, Asia. There are some places in the world where women don't have the same liberties and the same rights as they do here in America. And this is a little bit like what society was like back in Paul's time. That's why when Paul wrote this verse, wives, submit to your husbands, no one questioned it because everyone knew that's how things were. In Rome, in the, the early um, part of the, the century there, there was a thing in place called Patria Potestas. Patria Potestas. Webster's Dictionary defines that phrase this way. It says, The power of the head of a Roman family over his wife, his children, his agnatic descendants, that was his lineage, slaves, freedmen, including originally the right to punish by death, and always embracing complete control over the limited personal and private rights and duties of all members of the family. So what you had here in this culture back in Paul's time was the, the, the man was literally the head of the household. This wasn't just in Rome. There, there was, this was in Greece. This was a part of this even in, in Jerusalem amongst the Jewish people. It was this place that men had of power. Wives knew they had to submit to their husbands because literally he had the power to have them put to death. 
If he didn't like something they'd done, if they burnt the toast, you're out of here. That's, that's the power men had over women. So when Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, his audience reading it would be like, yep, we know that. We can, we can be challenged when we read that verse today, but 2,000 years ago, it, it wasn't a challenge at all. It was just very normal. So why did Paul write it? Well, we're going to find out that you need to actually read this verse in context. You need to read it in its full understanding of what Paul was saying. In fact, actually, as we look a bit closer at what Paul was saying, not just in this verse, but the other verses surrounding it, we're going to discover that actually one of the reasons that the value of women is so elevated today, so much more so than it was back in, in biblical times, is because of Jesus and because of Paul and because of what they taught, because it was completely countercultural to what was going on at that time. So when you look back in those, those original documents, you need to remember that when Paul wrote, he didn't write, okay, this is going to be my letter, and this will be in chapter 5, verse 21, and then I'll write another verse after. He just wrote a letter, okay? He just wrote a continuous letter, and we today, we've broken that letter up into chapters and verses because it helps us. It gives us a point of reference that we can go back to and we can find a specific verse. So what happens is sometimes we put breaks in verses where Paul didn't put a break. He was just writing continually. So Paul didn't just write this one verse in isolation. He wrote a whole paragraph. And actually, if you go back to the original documents, the ancient Greek documents, if you find the original manuscripts of what Paul wrote, the word submit wasn't even in the sentence. I know, that's crazy. It actually, the literal meaning of that sentence from the original Greek was wives, to your own husbands as to the Lord. Wives, to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now you'll understand why we put the word submit in to kind of make it make sense when we're reading it. But originally it simply said that because Paul was doing something grammatically that was often done back in that day. In that the verb from that statement was in the statement before. So this was a continuation of a point Paul had already made and the verb referred back to the, the sentence before. So, so we need to go back to the sentence before. We can't just read this verse by itself. So when we jump back to the sentence before, Ephesians 5 verse 21, that says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul's saying everyone all of you, man, woman, and child, we need to submit to one another. This idea of mutual submission. We all need to submit to one another. And how? Why? Because it's a good idea? Because it's the right thing to do? No. We need to do it out of reverence to Christ. Because he has demonstrated to us the greatest act of submission there ever could be. The greatest demonstration of love in that he gave himself for us. So as God has demonstrated his love for you in Jesus, in the same way you should demonstrate that same kind of love for one another in all relationships. Paul is actually introducing an incredibly new idea, revolutionary idea, to this early church. He's saying we all need to submit ourselves to one another. And, and they would have been reading this, kind of scratching their heads thinking, well, what does that mean? I, I don't understand that. I, I, that doesn't make sense in the culture in which I live. 
So like a great communicator, Paul decides to start where they're at. He starts, he, he kind of frames it for them with a point of reference that they will understand. So here's what he says, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. And they're like, oh, I understand, because I know what it means for my wife to submit to me. That, that makes sense. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, so wives, to your own husbands, as to the Lord. There's, there's an example of what submission looks like, and they're thinking, I get it, that kind of submission. But Paul doesn't stop there. He carries on. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now his audience, they're really thinking, wait, what? I, I understood that part where you said, wives, submit to your husbands. I get that. That's already happening. We, we're, we're good with that. But then you said, husbands, love your wives. And you didn't just say love your wives. You actually said love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, that sounds a lot like submission to me. I'm not sure about that. But Paul is using Jesus' example to turn everything upside down. To introduce this, this radical new way of building relationships. People are thinking, but men don't submit to women. Women submit to men. But Paul's kind of bringing this idea out of saying, but what would it look like if everyone were to submit to one another, where wives would submit to husbands. Husbands were to show their sacrificial love to their wives and, and everyone were to submit to one another out of reverence to Christ because of all the people who deserved to be submitted to, he submitted himself to us by giving his life for us. This was revolutionary back then. This was a game changer. This was changing culture. But this is the kind of love that Jesus had introduced. This was the change that this brand new um, faith called Christianity that was brand new at the turn of that century was, was bringing about a change in the culture. Where there was a sense of mutual submission. People loving one another. People putting one another's needs in front of their own. Paul keeps on pushing this radical idea. We don't have time this morning to go through the whole chapter, but throughout the end of chapter 5 and into the beginning of chapter 6, Paul talks about what that would look like, this idea of mutual submission and valuing one another in the context of parents and children. He addresses that relationship. He goes on later to talk about um, slaves and their masters, what that would look like if they were to choose mutual submission and respect for one another. He's turning culture upside down. We're used to it today because we live in a place where, where women are elevated. But back in Paul's times, this was just crazy talk. But this was what Jesus wanted people to understand. This is what Paul, through Jesus, wanted people to know. The, the key to, to, to love, the key to relationship is being willing to lose. If we all try to outdo one another with how much we sought to meet the other person's needs, what would that look like? If this, this mutual submission became like a competition where we're just all the time, I'm looking to submit myself to you to, to give you all that you need. But no, 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 because I'm looking to submit myself to you to give you all that you need. And, and I think it would change our, revel, our, our relationships if we were willing to live that way. It could revolutionize our marriages. 
If we choose to lose a battle every now and again, if it means ultimately winning the war. So let's get practical here just for a second. Do you know why I think we find that difficult, especially in our marriage relationships? I think the reason we find that concept of submitting to one another, meeting one another's needs, is because, you ready for this? Men and women are different. Do you know that? You should write that down. There's something you learned at church this morning. Okay, Men and women are different. So I learned this this week. I came across this quote, and uh, it simply said this. It says, men do headlines, women do footnotes. Men do headlines, women do footnotes. So what's a footnote? The footnote is when you're reading a body of text or a book, and there's one word, it's got a little mark by it, and you go to the footnote, and it wasn't enough just to have a whole page of information. We need another half a page at the bottom just to really explain that one word at the bottom. That's what a footnote is, okay? Men, we do headlines, okay? So, breaking news story, had a good day at work. That's it. That's all you need to know. I was at work, I was there for the whole day, and it was good. What else is there to know? That's the headlines. Good day at work. Women want footnotes. No, no. How was your day? How did, tell me about every part of your day. How was that conversation with your boss? When he said that, how did you feel? I don't know how I felt. And our wives, they want to tell us in detail every element of our day. The key to submitting to one another is to recognize our differences. To recognize that we are different. And I may need this and I may need this, but, but in submitting to one another, it's looking to try and meet one another where we're at. To recognize those differences, to submit our needs, to be willing to lose the battle of just sharing the headline and no more. To win the war with our wives who want the details. This is going to get me in so much trouble because my wife is sat right here and she's literally going to repeat that line to me every day this week. She loves the details. Now, another practical thought here, just for you to think about. So one of the dangers with that is when we think about, okay, so I need to, um, for a great relationship, for a um, great marriage, I need to submit my needs, which is a good advice, and I need to, so, so that means I need to give up all my own desires, and I need to do whatever my spouse would want to do. So let's say, for example, the guys, you like to play golf, women, you like to go shopping. Huge generalization. I know that there are women here this morning who love playing golf, and I know there are guys who love going shopping. But let's just use that as an example right now, Okay. I don't want the women in the room here this morning thinking, oh, does that mean I've got to go and watch him play golf now? I hate golf. I don't want to go out and play golf with him. There are some men thinking, please, don't make me go, to the st- don't make me go shopping. You've seen those guys, haven't you? They're sat on a stool outside the change room. They've got ESPN on their phone. Their soul's literally just leaving their body as they're just waiting hours upon end. You know, sometimes... It's great. If your wife wants to go shopping with some of her friends, that's great. If your husband wants to go and play golf, that's great. That's okay. But, but maybe as a couple, you can look for some things that together you enjoy doing. And then when you do those things together, look for some opportunities to submit to one another in those. It could be eating out. It could be cooking a meal together, going for a walk, a vacation, a sport. We've just done a series called Margin, and the truth is we're all so busy that there's never time for this kind of stuff. So maybe we need to get a bit practical and say, I'm going to make time. I'm going to put something in my day planner or my phone or my calendar this week. I'm going to make time so my spouse and I can do something together, something that we both enjoy. 
And there might still need to be some mutual submission. So Casey and I, we enjoy going to movies together. That's one of our favorite things that we get to do together. But at times, we have to submit to one another. Sometimes, we'll see a movie that she knows I want to see. That movie is normally about space or some kind of action movie, okay? That wouldn't be her number one choice. But she says, okay, we'll see one of your movies. And sometimes... I'll submit, and I'll go and see one of her movies. Now, I told her, I was telling this illustration, and I said, and I'm going to say at that point, you know, like a romantic comedy. And she goes, no, I don't just want to go see romantic comedies. I just don't like seeing movies that aren't real, like Star Wars, which is crazy because that's so real. But um, (laughs) she goes, I want to go see movies that are real and true and believable, like Pretty Woman or Hitch. And... um, (laughs) So sometimes I'll go and see the movies and I'll, I'll sit through them and I'm not crying. I'm just wiping my eye, you know, and I, I'm, I'm enjoying, because I know that this is a movie that she wants to see and sometimes she'll see a movie that she knows I want to see. But what would our relationships be like if we were looking for ways to do things together but also to submit to one another, to look to see other people's needs met, to be willing to lose in order to win? To be willing to lose a small battle in order to win a great victory. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't you like a relationship like that? With your kids, with your family, with your spouse? We want to help you discover that kind of relationship moving forward. We want to look at it through the lens of love being for losers this month. We want to learn to be proactive and we want to help you with that. We've got some real practical things in mind. We're going to build up through this series towards the end of the month on February the 28th. We have a family night planned. Now, what's a family night? We've never done this before at Connect. We thought this would be a great opportunity to build some relationship for you as families. So we're going to come up with some um, activities, that kind of thing. And what's going to happen on the 28th is you just show up here in your car. You'll be given a bag. And in that bag will be some coupons to restaurants, some ideas, some, maybe some questions and stuff. And you as a family or maybe you as a couple, you just go and spend some time together. We want you to tell your friends about this. This isn't just for people that connect. This is for anyone in the community that needs to make some time to invest and have some fun as a family. Because we can't change some of the things that have happened in the past, but we can become more proactive and more intentional as we move into the future. And that might mean learning that it isn't a competition, that we don't need to fight to win, that Jesus gave up his life for us because he loved us so much. And sometimes the greatest demonstration of love is losing How will you submit in your relationships this week? Let's pray. Father, we just pray now that you would help us in this. Lord, I know that Paul revolutionized culture in what he taught. He wasn't talking specifically about roles of men and women. He was talking about value. And Father, we make the mistake sometimes of not valuing one another, of thinking ourselves better than others. So whether it's um, boss, employee, whether it's parent, child, whether it's husband, wife, Father, help us to choose to, to lose, to submit to one another, 
in order to show value and love to those in our lives. Father, this isn't just a good idea. This is exactly what Jesus himself modeled to us when he lost his life for us. So help us to do the same for others, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.